Are you tired of hearing mental health from a superficial view and want to hear about realistic views? Well, you come to the right place, a space where healing is central, but also normalized. Your hosts, Donika and Myra, who are in the mental health field, will explore topics to help promote healing in your everyday life. Through our podcast, you will get the real and the work to focus on your healing. Welcome to Black Women Healing Podcast. Hi, you all. We're back with another episode of Black Women Healing Pod. And today we have our guest, Marissa. So Hi. Marissa, we usually start off. Sorry. Hey, so we usually start off with um, a random scenario. We're switching it up, y'all. So now we're doing a random discussion question. So okay. it's just off the top of the dome. So random discussion. Um, oh, my goodness. Um, this is on my mind. So, uh, what do y'all think about um, what do y'all think about this new Issa Rae movie coming out? I unfortunately have no idea what you're talking about because I don't watch TV. I don't have cable. <laughs> I've heard she has a movie coming out, but the way school is set up. <laughs> I'll see it when right. I, hopefully it's still in theaters when I go back home in February and I can see it. <laughs> right. Okay. 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 Well, I feel like I gotta give you a different. We gotta give a different so we can discuss something. All right. So how about um how about school seems to be really uh, important, right? For, in my opinion, it seems like Black women nowadays. And so, and also not just school, matter of fact, yeah, see, that's why I start talking, now it's working. So, what do y'all think about Black women appearing to, it seems like Black women are trying to heal a lot, um, like, quicker, not quicker, they're, I like, just, it seems like black women are ready to heal. Like we're going to these healing circles, we're going to therapy, we're we're talking to each other. It seems like at least it maybe in just my circle, but it seems like we're trying to heal. So what y'all think about that? I would agree. I would say that our generation has grown up with the mentality that, you know, you just hush, you don't tell nobody business that goes on in this house. And I think with all of us growing up with that mentality, at some point we kind of realize like the same stuff is happening in our houses and you can't tell anybody and I can't tell anybody, but we can't tell each other. And so I think that's kind of started to set the foundation for us to not just talk to one another, but to seek therapy, to go talk to other people who are professional in addition to having that first line support system. 
But I think overall, I think we're tired. I think we're tired of feeling how we feel and just having it being attributed to being an angry black woman. I think it's a lot more than just that. Yeah. What do you think, Marva? I think that because these conversations have become so normalized through quotes you see on Instagram, things you see on Twitter, now that it's become more normalized, it's just like, why the fuck not talk about it? Like, why not, like, really work on ourselves? I know that a lot of our generation is focused on what we're going to do for our next generations. Like, we're talking about generational wealth. Like, that's a topic you hear constantly. And I think that now, because you're talking about generational wealth, you got to talk about generational healing. So things that are going down in the family, like, you know, uncle doing this, grandpa doing that, like, that's not cool anymore. And now people are speaking up and being like, no, fuck that. Like, I'm going to say something now. So I think that it's just like the shift that our generation is making when making certain things realize that weren't traditionally normalized. Hey, see, this is a great discussion question today. This is good. Both y'all's responses is so relevant to what's going on. So, but we're here and we're continuing to heal. So let's get started. Yep. So I'm going to go right ahead and introduce Marissa. So today's guest is Marissa. Marissa Simmons was born to John F. R. Simmons on October 18th, 1991. Um, born and raised in Southeast San Diego, the first school she attended was St. Stephen's Nursery School. She's the oldest sibling of five children. Marissa is a first-generation college student, graduating with a Bachelor's of Arts degree in Women's Studies in 2017 from San Diego State. It is there she became a member of Sigma Gamma Rho Sorority Incorporated. In May 2020, Marissa will be graduating from Barry University in Miami Shorts, Florida with her master's degree in social work. Marissa is the current vice president of Barry University chapter of the National Association of Black Social Workers. That's amazing. She has a certificate in trauma cognitive behavioral therapy, on her master's program, she has worked with mental health, co-occurring addictions, as well as working with community leaders and Miami-Dade Police Department to reduce group violence in low-income communities such as the city, Apoloka, and Miami Gardens. She plans to go to work either in Miami-Dade County Public School System or the Broward, Broward County School System as she works towards passing a clinical exam shortly after graduation. Oh, that's amazing. Hey. <laughs> Hey, don't okay. do it. You might as well do it. <laughs> well, May 2020 is coming right on up. For Girl, real. We got like three months. <laughs> it's a so, great program. Marissa, tell us how you begin to find your passion in the mental health field. So, I would say I had a passion for it before I knew what it was. I didn't think that growing up, we didn't talk about what mental health was. And I think when we were going through stuff it was just like nah they're always like that people are just sad so the last semester of um, undergrad was kind of rough and it just kind of bled into post-grad depression which I really didn't know what it was I just knew like I feel out of place I'm really really sad all the time um, I'm having suicidal thoughts and I just don't know what's going on like I just accomplished the biggest thing that I could have accomplished I'm first generation college student I did what my parents told me to do I graduated I did it and it sucks I still had the same mm -hmm. job that I had when I was an undergrad and it didn't make no sense mm -hmm. so I started to engage in a lot of self-care painting poetry I would go to the beach I would exercise change my eating habits and that started to make me feel a little bit better but I knew I had to do something 
other than that, just trying to change my situation. So after that, I kind of started to look into different programs. I went to the Masters of Counseling. I went to the Masters of um, Marriage and Family Therapy. And when I was talking to the Masters of Counseling, she was like, well, everything that you're saying is social work. Like, I understand the counseling part, but it sounds like you want to be working with people that are in low-income communities you want to work with minorities and it sounds specifically like you're really like honed in on this self-care aspect which goes hand in hand with mental health and so she walked me downstairs and i talked to the lady and i was like "Hmm, this might work like i'll try it i'll just apply to the program off a whim but at the same time um it kind of ended up coming forward that my little sister was really really struggling also having some suicidal thoughts so it kind of came to the forefront and i realized like okay I'm not equipped to deal with this, but I can kind of help because I've been through it firsthand. I know what it is. And so for me, it kind of hit home that it's not just, you know, it's something that we keep talking about, but like it's in my house. It's my sister. It's someone that I love and I can see her. I can't imagine her not being here and I'll struggle with it too. So I didn't have a face other than mine to put with mental health struggles. And so over the last year in my program, I've been able to work with several clients who have some really difficult diagnoses to live with but I have got to see them like firsthand show their resilience come every day give their all and hold each other accountable so I think being able to engage with people that have diagnoses and still see them for people has really sparked like that flame in wanting to deal with mental health because they get treated so poorly by society when all it is is a diagnosis, mm-hmm. which sometimes are given very frivolously depending on the agency, depending on who's doing it, how long they've known them. So I just think it's it's something that goes with someone for a long time. And if we're going to be giving out these diagnoses that are shaping people's lives, we need to make damn sure that they're accurate at, to the best of our ability. And that if they have them, we're still treating them with some decency, not like they're, you know, a prescription or another another person for us to build for insurance hey that is my mind all day every day you sound literally like me <laughs> i'm on your sofa <laughs> you sound like me and i i deal with it every day as well like when you you know when you go to the agencies in order to deal especially for like dmh our departmental uh department of mental health or even just like anybody's kind of government medical system you have to diagnose right so you have to it, like yeah so you're trying to figure out you don't want to diagnose them with something that they don't uh, they don't belong to meaning they don't meet the symptoms right. but at the same time if they don't have a diagnosis they can't even be seen in the program exactly. so you kind of you know you kind of going up against that but i do want to ask you marissa i know you kind of spoke a little bit to your own mental health concerns like did you do you feel like going through going through the program right now is helping you with your own concerns or how did you get through your stuff um I think it's something that before I started the program I know I had struggled with this so I really I like to use therapy and prayer I'm, I'm a both kind of person depending on who you are they work differently for everybody but for me specifically prayer really worked and so this next time I just knew I'm back in school I have ADHD my focus can be really, really terrible. I don't mm-hmm. like how the medication makes me feel. So I need to learn some, some coping skills, some something, because otherwise I'm not processing the information I need to process. 
So for me, it was more like, let me learn some skills that make me more receptive to what I need to be doing in class. So once I kind of got mm-hmm. that down, um, it was more self-care and managing that because I realized once that's out of control, it spills over into just about everything. And I can't be sitting in front of my clients telling them, hey, you know, this is what you should try. Or, you know, when you did this, this is what works when I'm not doing it myself. Right, right. Yeah, no, most definitely. Uh, thank you so much for letting us know kind of how you've been getting through some of your stuff. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your journey in grad school, specifically being that you are in the health field? And we want you to tell us about the highs and the lows. Okay, so let's do the lows first because they're lows, at least for me, because it's a it's a social work program and luckily it's trauma focused, which a lot of programs are not. So they are really keen to understanding child sexual abuse, domestic violence, physical violence, intimate partner violence, all kinds of things that we may have experienced or we may have known someone to have experienced. So they like really keep an eye on that. So kudos to them for that. But I would say the lows are more like the learning points. Um, the first part of the semester was really rough because it was just more so adjusting. Like the first part of my lows didn't even have anything to do with school. It was more so like I'm far away and I know how important mm-hmm. keeping my mental health is because I'm working in mental health and I know burnout is real. I know we can get exhausted and I didn't want to lose the spark and tones that I had for the profession is so early. um the high would be I was killing it like I thought I was really gonna struggle academically and I wasn't Mm -hmm. like it was something that validated me as a student so I knew like I understand what I'm doing like (laughs) I get this so it was more of a validation of myself and my experience because everything that I will always be like, this stuff is just so terrible. Why does this happen to me? Why does it happen to my family? All of it had a value. Like it was positive. It made me more valuable as a social worker and as a clinician working in mental health because the stuff that my clients tell me, no matter how terrible, it doesn't surprise me. They feel safe telling me because I'm not completely shocked or floored by what they're saying. And that's really important when yeah. working with people that have really traumatic stories, then I can tell you who act shod and appalled at what they say. Um, the second semester was fabulous. My low again was that I was really adjusting to being by myself. Like figuring, Ooh. how do I entertain me when I'm alone for 16 hours a day? Cause like the only interaction I had was if I went to school, I could talk to my classmates. And then if I was at my internship the next day, that's like nine to five two days a week and then the other time is like four to twelve so like i'll be going to the grocery store to like say hi to people that work there so i like really <laughs> learned the value of human relationships like i learned my seafood person i talk to them all the time they put extra stuff in my boil so that was like it was a low but it was also a high because i was learning what they were saying in this program when you're struggling with mental health when you're going through these things there is value in human connection get out change what you're doing so that you're not depressed don't sit in the house all day for 16 hours so i'll just get in my car and drive let's try this store i don't need to buy nothing but let me just go talk to somebody so that would help 
And again, I was killing it. Like as far as my academics, I was just like, this is crazy. I got 4.0 and I was like, how? Just taking assignments one by one, I stayed focused and kept myself a planner. So that was another high was I got a planner and I stuck to it. So could nobody tell me nothing about my schedule because I knew it forwards and backwards. Um, hurricane was supposed to come, so that was another low. Not oh, academically, God. I'm just not used to it. Like, yeah. I'm Californian, I do earthquakes, fires, light things, but I don't do, I don't do hurricanes. That was really scary. Um, and I would say the highest that point was that I realized I had Although I was by myself, I have a support system. Like, I truly started to realize that, yes, I'm by myself, but my family and my friends, they're, they're, yes, they're far, but they're not far. Like, I started to understand how strong my bonds and connections are with people back home. Because I would be able to fly back home and see people, and it was like, we had missed the week. Like, they, they understood what I was doing when I was gone. So it wasn't like I abandoned our friendship or the relationship. They knew I was busy. That was nice. Um, and I guess the last low and high, well, the high is that in our program, although grad school is really rough, the dean of my college is a black woman. Um, the admissions advisor was a black woman when I started, so I saw a lot of myself in the program. And so it was just like, if they can get PhDs in this, I can at least get a master's. Like, <laughs> that's the bare minimum that I can do. <laughs> like, I, 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 we, we already here. So that was... Right. That was a high, was to see myself in the program constantly, no matter how low I was feeling. It's always someone who's running school at that, who has some good advice and sound advice. Right, running the school social work, running and giving grandma hugs. Like, I love you, baby. You're great. You are my refill of my spirit when I need you. <laughs> Yeah, well, thank you for sharing. You kind of went into the second question, which is like, how do you balance kind of like both being a student, but also being, you know, you're a growing adult. Um, so how do you balance like social work and having a social life? Um, when we started the program, one of my professors was like, for the next 16 months, get rid of your little boyfriends, get rid of your little friends, your little homegirls take a step back from your family and dedicate the next 16 months to you. And at first I was like, okay. tell me, first of all, I barely got friends out here. So the ones I got, I need to keep. <laughs> I can't do that. And two, like my family's already far away. And then I like sat with it and I was like, this makes sense. I, I see exactly what he's saying. I didn't move to Miami to turn up, to go out to the clubs. I moved out here for school. I moved out here to get a degree. Easy. Hey. <laughs> hey. Don't do okay. it. You might as well do it. <laughs> well, May 2020 is coming right on up. For Girl, real. we got like three months. <laughs> it's a so, quick program. Marissa, tell us how you begin to find your passion in the mental health field. So, I would say I had a passion for it before I knew what it was. I didn't think that growing up we didn't talk about what mental health was and I think when we were going through stuff it was just like nah they're always like that people are just sad so the last semester of 
um, undergrad was kind of rough and it just kind of bled into post-grad depression, which I really didn't know what it was. I just knew like, I feel out of place. I'm really, really sad all the time. Um, I'm having suicidal thoughts and I just don't know what's going on. Like I just accomplished the biggest thing that I could have accomplished. I'm a first generation college student. I did what my parents told me to do. I graduated, I did it and it sucks. I still had the same job that I had when I was an undergrad and it didn't make no sense. Mm-hmm. So I started to engage in a lot of self-care, painting, poetry, I would go to the beach, I would exercise, change my eating habits, and that started to make me feel a little bit better, but I knew I had to do something other than that to try to change my situation. Mm-hmm. So after that, I kind of started to look into different programs. I went to the Master's of Counseling, I went to the Master's of um, Marriage and Family Therapy. And when I was talking to the masters of counseling, she was like, well, everything that you're saying is social work. Like, I understand the counseling part, but it sounds like you want to be working with people that are in low-income communities. You want to work with minorities. And it sounds specifically like you're really, like, honed in on this self-care aspect, which goes hand-in-hand with mental health. And so she walked me downstairs, and I talked to the lady, and I was like, hmm, this might work. Like, I'll try it. I'll just apply to the program off a whim. But at the same time, um, it kind of ended up coming forward that my little sister was really, really struggling, also having some suicidal thoughts. So it kind of came to the forefront, and I realized, like, okay, I'm not equipped to deal with this, but I can kind of help because I've been through it firsthand. I know what it is. And so for me, it kind of hit home that it's not just, you know, it's something that we keep talking about, but, like, it's in my house. It's my sister. It's someone that I love, and I can see her. I can't imagine her not being here and I've struggled with it too so I didn't have a face other than mine to put with mental health struggles and so over the last year in my program I've been able to work with several clients who have some really difficult diagnoses to live with but I have got to see them like firsthand show their resilience come every day give their all and hold each other accountable so I think being able to engage with people that have diagnoses and still see them for people has really sparked like that flame in wanting to deal with mental health because they get treated so poorly by society when all it is is a diagnosis mm-hmm. which sometimes are given very frivolously depending on the agency depending on who's doing it how long they've known them so i just think it's it's something that goes with someone for a long time and if we're going to be giving out these diagnoses that are shaping people's lives we need to make damn sure that they're accurate to the best of our ability and that if they have them we're still treating them with some decency not like they're you know a prescription or another another person for us to bill for insurance hey that is my mind all day every day you sound literally like me (laughs) i'm on your sofa (laughs) you sound like me and I I deal with it every day as well. Like when you, you know, when you go to the agencies in order to deal, especially for like DMH or departmental, uh, Department of Mental Health, or even just like anybody's kind of government medical system, you have to diagnose. Right. So you have to. Like- yeah. So you're trying to figure out. You don't want to diagnose them with something that they don't be- they don't belong to, meaning they don't meet the symptoms. Right. But at the same time, if they don't have a diagnosis. They can't even be seen in the program. Exactly. So you kind of, you know, you kind of going up against that. But I do want to ask you, Marissa, 
I know you kind of spoke a little bit to your own mental health concerns. Like, did you, do you feel like going through, going through the program right now is helping you with your own concerns or how did you get through your stuff? Um, I think it's something that before I started the program, I know I had struggled with this. So I really, I like to use therapy and prayer. I'm, I'm a both kind of person. Depending on who you are, they work differently for everybody. But for me specifically, prayer really worked. And so this next time I just knew I'm back in school. I have ADHD. My focus can be really, really terrible. I don't mm -hmm. like how the medication makes me feel. So I need to learn some, some coping skills, some something, because otherwise I'm not processing the information I need to process. So for me, it was more like, let me learn some skills that make me more receptive to what I need to be doing in class. So once I kind of got mm -hmm. that down, um, it was more self-care and managing that because I realized once that's out of control, it spills over into just about everything. And I can't be sitting in front of my clients telling them, hey, you know, this is what you should try. Or, you know, when you did this, this is what works when I'm not doing it myself. Right, right. Yeah, no, most definitely. Uh, thank you so much for letting us know kind of how you've been getting through some of your stuff. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your journey in grad school, specifically being that you are in the health field? And we want you to tell us about the highs and the lows. Okay, so let's do the lows first because they're lows, at least for me, because it's a it's a social work program and luckily it's trauma focused, which a lot of programs are not. So they are really keen to understanding child sexual abuse, domestic violence, physical violence, intimate partner violence, all kinds of things that we may have experienced or we may have known someone to have experienced. So they like really keep an eye on that. So kudos to them for that. But I would say the lows are more like the learning points. Um, the first part of the semester was really rough because it was just more so adjusting. Like the first part of my lows didn't even have anything to do with school. It was more so like I'm far away and I know how important mm -hmm. keeping my mental health is because I'm working in mental health and I know burnout is real. I know we can get exhausted and I didn't want to lose the spark and tones that I had for the profession it's so early. Yeah. Um, the high would be I was killing it. Like I thought I was hey. really gonna struggle academically, and I wasn't. Mm -hmm. Like it was something that validated me as a student. So I knew, like, I understand what I'm doing. Like <laughs> I get this. So it was more of a validation of myself and my experience because everything that I'll always be like, this stuff is just so terrible. Why does this happen to me? Why does it happen to my family? All of it had a value. Like it was positive. It made me more valuable as a social worker and as a clinician working in mental health because it's something my clients tell me no matter how terrible, it doesn't surprise me. They feel safe telling me because I'm not completely shocked or floored by what they're saying. And that's really important when yeah. working with people that have really traumatic stories, then I can tell you who act shod and appalled at what they say. Um, the second semester was fabulous. My low again was that I was really adjusting to being by myself. Like figuring, Ooh. how do I entertain me when I'm alone for 16 hours a day? Cause like the only interaction I had was if I went to school, I could talk to my classmates. And then if I was at my internship the next day, 
that's like nine to five, two days a week. And then the other time is like four to 12. So like, I'll be going to the grocery store to like say hi to people that work there. So I like really <laughs> learned the value of human relationships. Like I learned my seafood person. I talk to them all the time. <laughs> they put extra stuff in my boil. So that was like, it was a low, but it was also a high because I was learning what they were saying in this program. When you're struggling with mental health, when you're going through these things, there is value in human connection. Get out. Change what you're doing so that you're not depressed. Don't sit in the house all day for 16 hours. So I'll just get in my car and drive. Let's try this store. I don't need to buy nothing, but let me just go talk to somebody. So that would help. And again, I was killing it. Like as far as my academics, I was just like, this is crazy. I had 4.0. I was like, how? Just taking assignments one by one, I stayed focused and kept myself a planner. So that was another high. Was I got a planner and I stuck to it. So could nobody tell me nothing about my schedule because I knew it forwards and backwards. Um hurricane was supposed to come so that was another low not oh, academically God. i'm just not used to it like yeah. i'm Californian, i do earthquakes fires light things but i don't do i don't do hurricanes that was really scary um and i would say the highest that point was that i realized i had Although I was by myself, I have a support system. Like, I truly started to realize that, yes, I'm by myself, but my family and my friends, they're, they're, yes, they're far, but they're not far. Like, I started to understand how strong my bonds and connections are with people back home. Because I would be able to fly back home and see people, and it was like we had missed the week. Like, they, they understood what I was doing when I was gone. So it wasn't like I abandoned our friendship or the relationship. They knew I was busy. That was nice. Um, and I guess the last low and high, well, the high is that in our program, although grad school is really rough, the dean of my college is a black woman. Um, the admissions advisor was a black woman when I started, so I saw a lot of myself in the program. And so it was just like, if they can get PhDs in this, I can at least get a master's. Like, <laughs> that's the bare minimum that I can do. <laughs> like, I, I, we're already here. So that was... Right that was a high was to see myself in the program constantly no matter how low i was feeling it's always someone who's running school at that who has some good advice and sound advice right running the school social work running and giving grandma hugs like i love you baby you're great you are my refill of my spirit when i need you <laughs> Yeah, well, thank you for sharing. You kind of went into the second question, which is like, how do you balance kind of like both being a student, but also being, you know, you're a grown adult. Um, so how do you balance like social work and having a social life? Um, when we started the program, one of my professors was like, for the next 16 months, get rid of your little boyfriends, get rid of your little friends, your little homegirls take a step back from your family and dedicate the next 16 months to you. And at first I was like, tell me, first of all, I barely got friends out here. So the ones I got, I need to keep. <laughs> I can't do that. And two, like my family's already far away. And then I like sat with it and I was like, this makes sense. I, I see exactly what he's saying. I didn't move to Miami to turn up. 
to go out to the clubs. I moved out here for school. I moved out here to get a degree. So the balance between school was that I had to make a list of priorities and school was at top. I, no matter what happens, I cannot get rid of school at all. And I can't get rid of my internship because those go hand in hand. If I don't finish my hours, I don't get the degree. If I don't get the degree, the hours are useless. And that's what I came out here for. So those two things were things that were on my list of things that are not being compromised at all. If it interrupts my study time or my academics, I'm not doing it. I don't feel bad. I can't help you. That's just not my concern. So I said that is, that's the bar. And then after that, it was like, I do have to make sure I can see my family and my friends. So although we may not always text or talk, everybody's on Instagram. So I make sure that I'll post something so that someone can interact. So if you want to see me, I was there. You could have said something and you didn't. So I make sure I at least leave something out there because not everybody's going to text you all the time. That's not how our relationships are built. It's unrealistic. And for my family, we're also spread out that I just make time that at least once a quarter, I can fly home. So I may not text them every day right now, but I know like in a couple weeks, I'm going home. So they'll get that me time then. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've kind of, it's been easier. And granted, I am across the country. So I think that definitely helps too. But not having the family and the immense amount of friends has definitely left me more time than anything else to focus on school. That's, that's definitely been the main thing. If I was at home, family at some point becomes a distraction because that's family. Your friends, they become a distraction no matter how good or bad still a distraction yeah I like how you're making sure that you make time for people that are important to you because I feel like a lot of my friends in grad school that's kind of where they lose a lot of friendships and relationships with people because of that um so our next question is what tips do you have for people on their journey to go to grad school make sure that if you're going to get this degree this degree is for you it's, it's not undergrad, it's, you're not walking for your mom, you're not walking for your dad, your uncle. Make sure that the degree is for you. Because if it's gonna set you back some money, make sure it's something you're passionate about. Research the program before, as early as you can. I didn't have an idea to go to grad school until like two weeks before graduation. And even then it was like a little inkling of a thought. So I was really unprepared when I was going into looking. So. If you know people that are in grad school, talk to them, ask them simple questions. We all have a wealth of knowledge that we would love to offer if someone wants to ask. But I think that find something you like to do, make sure your program's accredited, that matters. Mm -hmm. And make sure that they have what you want. If you're gonna pay somebody $50,000 to make you a master's in in a topic, in a subject, make sure they're providing you with what you need out of them. Just as much as they want you to turn in the application and meet all the requirements, make sure the school and the program check all of the things on your boxes. Yep, I completely agree with that. I was looking at an unnamed school, I won't say the name, but it's very prestigious to a lot of people. And people love this school in LA. And I was comparing this school to SDSU, and I was like, do I really want to pay the $50,000 to go there? I don't know if that's definitely right. really worth it. And so, um, yeah, I didn't go there because I found out they weren't accredited. So <laughs> it would have been a waste of money. <laughs> we do all that to not Just be accredited. Just for the name. I wasn't about to do that. So, yeah. 
So you know you moved from San Diego to Miami. Do you have any advice for those interested in uprooting and moving to a new state, whether it be for grad school or just like moving in general? Visit, 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 visit. Visit the place you plan to live. Um, I vacationed for like three years before I decided to like make the move. So I was pretty comfortable with the city kind of understood how it was in its different seasons, knew what it had to offer, and I was aware of the different cultures. To the best of my knowledge, I was aware of what areas were good or bad, so I was familiar and knew that if I moved out here, I would feel comfortable enough to kind of spread my wings. Um, if you're going to uproot, don't resist making it home. You wasted all your time moving. You might as well make it home. That's something my dad told me. You're only going to be as young as you are. You're only going to be able to say you live X, Y, and Z for so long. So while you're there, enjoy it. Enjoy every bit of it. And I would say as much as you try to prepare to like uproot, be prepared to be unprepared because things happen. It's life. Um, as much as we try to prepare to be away from family or to be somewhere new, it's difficult. And just make sure that your support system back home is a healthy one and is one that you can call while you're gone because you're definitely, you're going to need them. Mm -hmm. Wow. So what do you mean when you say don't resist making it home? What does that even mean to you? I moved out here and I kept my license plate. I was going <laughs> to keep my driver's license. I would drive down the street and I would listen to Nipsey. And I was listening to YG and OT Genesis. Like, I was California through and through. <laughs> you, like, from the time I moved out here, you couldn't tell me nothing. They use all this slang. And I would just be like, y'all are weirdos, bro. Like, oh, my soul, y'all are weirdos. Like, it, I, wasn't, I wasn't getting with it. I wasn't enjoying myself because everything I did, I compared Miami to home. And it's like, you can't compare the two. They're both excellent places for what they offer. And to keep it a G, I see me everywhere in the city because there's so many different minorities here. It's like, how could you not feel comfortable? If you don't feel comfortable because you're making yourself feel awkward, how do you feel awkward in a sea of women that look similar to you? Yeah. They ain't always got to be polite, but they look like you. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like wherever you are, get, get comfortable because you're not, if you're uncomfortable, that means you're growing. You grow the most when you're uncomfortable. And if you like can settle into that and figure out what about this is uncomfortable. Like what don't I like? And I had to realize for me, I'm a hundred percent okay by myself. That's what I did not like. I didn't like the peace that I found is being by myself because so often we're taught you have to have people around you. You always have you don't. Yeah. So once I did that, it was just like this is home like I'm comfortable I'm at peace my family knows where I'm at I'm safe I'm good so when I go back home today they go like that's home and then when I come here I'm like home I miss it I like that yeah you pay rent somewhere make it home <laughs> very true okay. what's so interesting though what's really interesting is that when I was applying for grad school because I'm, I'm originally from Louisville Kentucky I applied oh, to Barry. For real. I applied to Bird University. Yep. And I got in and <laughs> I, I chose San Diego. I don't even remember why. And it was, it's, it's interesting because everything you said not to do, I did. I had never been to San Diego. <laughs> I had never been. How do you not like it though? The I guess that's the one place I would say you don't have to travel. Like, just go. If you're going to move to San Diego, just go. <laughs> that's the only place you don't have to try out. Everywhere else, try out. 
<laughs> well, I knew I wanted water. I knew I wanted water and, you know, I knew I wanted to do marriage and family therapy. It was the things I knew I wanted to do. And the first time I went to San Diego was for my interview. Um, and, but what the biggest thing you're talking about is the whole, like, don't resist making it home. I feel like, although I didn't make San Diego home, I knew I was going to be there. And it was, it was like my second home, I guess you can say. In a sense of like, those two years of the program, they flew by. They flew because I, I guess you can say I kind of did get comfortable I was very uncomfortable at first, and you notice, the, like you're talking about, the way Sandy, the way y'all speak in San Diego is different. The mannerisms are different. You know what I'm saying? Like, the Black people, different. Everything's yes. different. And so, but it was good because I feel like it helped me grow. Like, I feel like I'm so accultured to, to not only just San Diego, but different places in general, because mm-hmm. I, I was like... I was able to really dive into like what San Diego is and what they have to offer. You know, right. I went to churches in San Diego. I like, I really got to experience what it's like there. So I really like what you said. So I know you kind of already gave a few like um, takeaways, but if you had to give like some very concrete takeaways for our listeners, uh, what would you say? I actually wrote it down. Um, so I wrote down to one, find your passion in this life. You're not pigeonholed to just one career. You can have multiple, um, find a mentor and soak up their knowledge and don't limit yourself. Don't limit God or whoever your higher power is, because they're going to open up doors that you didn't even know existed. Hmm. Some great takeaways for life. <laughs> when you start taking your own advice, then you can start giving it out again. So I'm back there. <laughs> hey. <laughs> well, so um, is there anything else you want to kind of ex- express about your experience or anything? Um, I would say if you're thinking about grad school, go for it. If it's something you really mm-hmm. like, go for it. If you want to move, go for it. Anything in life that is going to make you a better person, make you more valuable to the next generation, to your own generation, do it. Mm-hmm. It's going to help you grow. And check do your friends. Check your circle. Check the people around you. Because they might also be the reason why you're not growing. And if we're going to grow and heal, we're going to get better, then we got to hold the people around us accountable. Yep. Either they got to grow and heal or they got to go. Mm-hmm. No love lost. She's very honest. that part 
Okay, Marissa. Well, thank you so much. We so appreciate having you on Black Hills Podcast. I know it's going to be people listening, and they're going to because of the things you say. You you mess around and be the reason why someone actually <laughs> takes the steps of going to grad school. Yes. Hope so. Either they got to throw in here or they got to go. Mm-hmm. Mother Ross, just very honest. That part. Okay, Marissa. Well, thank you so much. We so You're appreciate welcome. having you. On Thanks Black for having me. Um, I know it's going to be people listening and they're going to, because of the things you say, you you mess around and be the reason why someone actually <laughs> takes the steps of going to grad school. Yes. Hope so. Uh, all right, y'all. So we hope that you liked our guests this week. Um, so I'm going to share a book this week, and the book is called Black Pearls, and it's by Eric V. Kopich. And so each day it has a quote, it has a little passage read, and then it'll have um, a thing for you to try. And so since today is February 3rd, I'll read to you February 3rd. So this one, the theme is time, and the quote is, we kill time, time buries us. And it says, how often do we find ourselves killing time? Probably more often than we like to admit. Not that every minute must see you in a sweat pursuing your goals. Everyone needs some quiet, restorative timeouts. Particularly in today's noisy, stressful environments, this is healing time, which replenishes the soul. Overstressed, we can be rendered ineffective, even paralyzed. The danger is in letting too many timeouts pile up. When that happens, it takes longer to get back on track. We have to work harder to make up for lost time. And events can defeat us if we are not careful. In this sense, time buries us. We can guard against time wasting by making time. This means allocating it properly, time to read, time to exercise, time to work towards our career goals, time to spend with our family, and by taking time to assess our daily lives. On this day, I will allocate time to do one thing that I haven't had time to do over the past four months. And so my goal for the year is to drink more water and be more unproductive. And so this is perfectly aligned with um my goals so how it talks about allocating time to do one thing you haven't done over the past four months mine's just be unproductive so that's what i'm choosing <laughs> where am i unproductive where i what want to be unproductive oh okay okay <laughs> why does everybody do that when i tell them they're like um what unproductive where you're never unproductive and i'm like y'all clearly wasn't listening to what i just said because i said i want to be unproductive <laughs> okay that you shouldn't say unproductive you should say you want to have more like chill time or something productive time (laughs) even my chill time i'd be doing something productive so no i want to be unproductive okay then yes i i agree i think that that would be great for you i was like girl bye but okay so i really like that what's it called again pearl Black Pearls, Daily Meditations, Affirmations, and Inspirations for African Americans. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna get that. It's um, $6. You said six? Yeah, so the crazy part is I already had one, but my friend was like, oh, I got you this book. You have to, like, have it. Check your mail. Girl was another copy of it. So. <laughs> Come on, friends. My friend sent me all Black books this month, so. Maybe I'll share one black book each episode this month because I got like five. So I'll share those. 
that's, that's actually a great idea. Well, I'll be getting black pearls. But um, so anyways, you all, we are having our Black Women Healing Circles. They're coming up. We really want to invite you all and people, Black women, who whoever identifies as a Black woman, to these events. Um, we're only, you know, having so many people. I think we're having 15 at max. So we really want y'all to get the tickets ASAP just so y'all don't miss out on the event. Um, the events that we're having, they're limited because we're not going to be doing them every month. So that's another reason to, you know, get on getting the tickets. So February 22nd in Inglewood, California, we're having an event from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. And then March 7th in San Diego, California, we're having an event from 3.30 to 5.30 p.m. And then we do have our Philly event that is uh, going to be in May. Once we get more details for you all, we'll give them to you all. And um, yeah, oh, um, so as you, if you all haven't seen myself and Myra, Black Women Healing Pod, we're doing um, a workshop for the COCO Conference in the beginning of April. Um, and that's gonna be in Maryland. And so if you're in the DMV area, um, I think that you should come to this event. Not only for us, but they, the, the list of different speakers, they have in a panel and the topic is talking about um, communication. Well, our topic is talking about communication with daughters, but the hope is just so mothers and daughters can continue to build their relationships, especially in the black community. So if you haven't purchased your ticket for that, um, I also do that. I think they're having a sale right now. So I think the original, ooh, sorry, y'all do not quote me for what I'm about to say. I think it's a hundred dollars originally. Mm -hmm. And if you get the sale, I think it's $65. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, get on it. Thank y'all for tuning into this week's podcast. Feel free to explore some of the things that we have on our Instagram. We're also selling merchandise right now. So thank you for tuning into this week's episode and we look forward to hearing from y'all again.